Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, everyone. Can you hear the rain? Yes? What a beautiful morning. Hey, welcome to wherever you are. I don't know if it's raining in your part of town or in your part of the world, wherever you are. And uh, seriously, if you're on any of our campuses, welcome. And those of you who are online, uh, I can see Linda, you are online from Iowa. Welcome, Linda and Tracy from Wisconsin. It is great to have you. You are a part of us, and we're so glad you're here. I'm glad you guys are here. I want to begin by telling you a story that um, Tony Campolo, who is a sociologist and a professor at a university, uh, he told of some uh, guys, some men, that broke into a department store one night. And, and what they were doing in the department store was simply trying to create chaos. So what they did is they took all the price tags on everything and switched them. And uh, they were just deviant. And that was, they weren't stealing anything. They just misplaced the value of everything. And the next day, as you can imagine, it was nothing but confusion and chaos. Because when the price of something and the value of something are not aligned, it's kind of hard to understand how to do that. I, I had a situation happen to me a, a number of years ago, and uh, I was up in Payson. I was passing through Payson, needed to get gas. And so I went to the Maverick station there, and I pulled into Maverick, and I got out and started pumping. And uh, I, I realized something as I was watching the pump going, this gas is really cheap. And what had happened is the, the pump was programmed so, and, and I don't remember the actual price, it didn't matter, but say it was $2.50 a gallon, it was actually only charging me 25 cents a gallon. And so I'm like filling my tank up and I'm like going, this is awesome, man. This is like the cheapest fill-up I've had in years. And, uh, and then I have this moment of, you know, do I just drive away and you know, keep this to myself? And I thought, no, that's wrong. So I uh, promise you, I went inside, I said to the attendant, I said, hey, uh, you know, there's a problem with your pump. And he goes, what's up? And I said, hey, it's only charging, they'll charge me the difference. And he goes, no, if that's what the pump charged you, that, you know, we'll fix it for the next guy. But uh, so, so, hey, I, I got gas for 25 cents a gallon and, and didn't cost me my integrity. So it was a really, really good day. Uh, but, but here's what you know. You know a, a business cannot stay in business for long doing that, yes? And so here's a concept I wanted to drop on you. When the price of something consistently fails to reflect the true value of something, someone is on a collision course with reality. You get it? When price and value don't align uh, on something, someone, is, you know, we're gonna have a wake-up call. So we're in a series right now, and I'm so glad you're here and a part of this. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's called Priceless, and we're just talking about something Jesus said, and we're trying to unpack it, and we're just trying to make it make sense because it just sounds like, like if Jesus didn't say this, you would go, that's just not true, but this is what he said. And it's recorded in Luke 16, 15, what people value highly is detestable uh, in God's sight. What? And what he's saying is that God has some way of looking at things is different. And the way I've said it each and every week is God values what the world, God places value on what the world doesn't, the world places value on what God doesn't. And why this matters is that every one of us, we have to decide whose values are we gonna own? Because the world has a set of values and God has a set of values. And so we've been in this series of priceless trying to understand how God sees things, not how we see things. We know how we see things. So we started this series a couple of weeks ago when I, and I made the statement that you are priceless. You're the first priceless thing I wanted to talk about. You, you are priceless. That, that while the world might say that you're just a uh, cosmic accident or you're piece of pollution in a universe, okay? Uh, the, the word of God is so different. It says, no, 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 you were created in the image of, of the, uh, the creator, of God, the Imago Dei, that God used himself as the blueprint of how he made you. Now, you don't have everything that God has, 
but, but you have a lot of what God is in you and it makes you very, very special. And we love the thought of being special. I'm special. Uh, but, but then we uh, say the next week, well, I said last week is so is everyone else. And you ah. Because I want to be special, but, but we're all special. That's the point. So last week we talked about, on MLK Weekend, we talked about racism. We talked about the fact that whenever you want to take one of God's creation and put it above every other part of God's creation, when we're talking about people, you're, you're going to get it wrong because God doesn't do that. God made one race. It's called the human race, and all of us are a part of it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what abilities or lack of abilities. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. We're all in the same thing. We're all in the human race. So... First week was you, second week was everyone else, and yet today I want to talk about, so, so it was you and then it was them, but today I want to talk about those, Th- those. What, what do you mean those? We've covered everybody and you and them. No, there's, there's a group we haven't talked about, and it's those, and I, I want to talk about those today. It, it, it's a group that seldom get a hearing, seldom get a hearing, and they don't get a hearing uh, we don't listen about, uh, to or about this group because uh, our, our culture has determined this particular group of people, well, their value is negligible. They, they don't get a hearing because we don't think that they have anything that's worth listening to. I want to challenge that today, all right? What I want to talk about today, uh, I want to talk about the unborn. I want to talk about the subject of abortion. That's what I want to talk about. Now, 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 hang on before, you know, I know you probably have a reaction, I need you to understand something. I am extremely reluctant to want to talk about this. I mean, maybe not for the reasons you think. I'm extremely reluctant to want to talk about this because the last thing I want to do is compound the pain that so many families and so many women, and honestly, some men, have suffered. I don't want to make it worse. I just don't. And, and you talk about it, and all of a sudden, you've hit that nerve. And it's like, I don't, I, I don't want to talk about it for that reason. Why I want to talk about it is because if we don't talk about it, then people reach the conclusion that everything's good. There's not an issue. And so this is huge dilemma. And I'm caught in the middle of this dilemma. I don't want to add any more pain to people who are already hurting. But at the same time, I don't want to pretend like God doesn't have anything to say about this and be silent when I should speak. So, you know, have, have a bit of grace here, all right? It's as difficult for me as it gets personally. Let's just from the outset say there's some reasons to make it so tough. And again, these are obvious. Number one, it's an emotionally charged issue. You know that and I know that. I mean, people go nuts over this. Uh, this uh, people get violent. Hatred gets expressed over this subject, all right? And you know that. The ugliness of all humanity comes out. Just pay attention and watch. I, I don't want to go in there because it's emotionally charged. I also, and I've already said this, I don't want to go in there because I, it's already hard enough for people who have had to deal with this. I just would rather not make it harder, all right? But it's not just emotionally charged, and I can't get around this. It's politically charged. I know that, and you know that. I, I, it just is. It, it, it separates blue states from red states. It separates political parties. It separates candidates. And I just need you to understand, okay? I, I, don't, I don't care about the politics of this, honestly. This is, I don't care about the politics of racism. I don't care. I care about the kingdom of God and what God says about this. And so the politics, they just start. But the third part of what makes it, it's a complicated subject. It's not something we can just, hey, let me give you like three things to think about and we'll be done. There's a lot to consider here. There's many facets involved. There are tactics involved, motivations that are tapped into. There's dollars that are invested, a lot of money to be made in this. Sound bites are used to influence your thinking. Euphemisms are used to deflect 
uh, and detract. Angles are taken to not surrender ground. And to truly be informed on this, you have to invest yourself. You can't get this one quickly. It's just too complicated. There's too many parts to it. Um, the challenge for me to preach on this in a, one message is or, or enormous. Just understand that. But, but here's what I want to ask you, church. Have you already made your mind up? And, and, and can your mind be changed? Can, can, can you possibly see it a little bit differently than you've ever seen it? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's so easy to just accept it the way it is. It's just, it's just the law. It's the way it is. Just stay out of it. It's so easy to take that path. But can we not take that path? Can we just wrestle with it? So, so let, me, let me give you a couple scenarios, okay? So I want you to imagine that there is a, a preacher and his wife. They are poor. Let's start there. I want you to imagine this preacher and their wife have already had 14 kids. They have 14 kids. She just finds out she's pregnant with number 15. Okay, so they're already impoverished and there's already like way over the like population. So would you advise a woman to abort her baby? The, the, the second illustration would be this. Imagine a, a, a father and a mother that are both ill. They both have issues with health. They, they've already had four kids. One's deaf. One is dead, one is blind, and the fourth one has tuberculosis. She finds out she's pregnant with a fifth kid. Would you just go, come on? Uh, here's the third one. I want you to imagine that there's a teenage girl. She uh, finds herself pregnant, not in common. She finds herself pregnant and uh, she's engaged, uh, but he is like, he wants nothing to do with it. And uh, he's upset emotionally, and she's like trying to make the best of it. And you just go, what are you gonna do? She, she has to explain that her fiance is not the father of the baby. Would you recommend abortion? Well, just because I, I've used those illustrations, I didn't make those up. The first illustration, it's a true story. It's a story of John Wesley. You might or might not know who John Wesley is, but. Life in America would be different if John Wesley never lived because he was an 18th century evangelist that changed the course of faith in America. That 15th child, if you'd have killed him, you killed John Wesley. The second illustration, the one, the fifth of the four kids, that's Beethoven. You just killed Beethoven. That's, how, that's Beethoven's life. The third one I just described, that's Jesus Christ, folks. We just eliminated Jesus. Now, I talked to the staff about this a couple weeks back, or longer, I don't remember, it was a while back. And I said, look, I'm gonna talk to the church about this. I just need to tell you I'm gonna go there and I don't want you to be caught off guard. And so I prepared them for that. What I wasn't prepared for was the fact that several staff members, as soon as that staff meeting ended, came up to me and said, can I talk to you for a moment and pull me aside? I didn't know where that was gonna go. And uh, they said, um, hey, I just, I'm so thankful that you're dealing with this. And they said, it's really close to me. And I will explain. And they said, well, and they told me their story. And I was so blown away. I said, hey, could you just put that in just a paragraph? Just, and can I share that with the church? And uh, two different staff people, unsolicited, came up right after that meeting, told me this. And I got a paragraph from both of them. Let me read to you. These are our staff. This is our church, okay? The first is one of our youth staff. And uh, they said this. When I was old enough, my mom courageously told me the dilemma she faced when she discovered she was four weeks pregnant with me. She was 19 years old, just started college, and found out that she 
may have to parent me alone if she decided to keep me. After she talked to my grandparents, they urged her to get an abortion. My, my grandparents had even gone as far as to schedule the appointment for her that Monday. She, she was stuck between the proverbial rock and a hard place. The Sunday before the appointment, she stumbled into a church. It was a Mother's Day, and the church was giving out presents to mothers. As my mom walked into the church, a, 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 a greeter stopped her and said, Happy Mother's Day, and gave her a gift as she walked into the worship center. By the end of the service, my mom concluded that the right thing to do, despite her fears, was to keep me. I am so thankful. And she made that decision despite being scared and I empathize with her ever feeling like she had to abort me. Wow. And then um, one of our worship leaders uh, who stands on our stages, all of our campuses, um, told me this, as a baby, I was placed for adoption by a very young mother. She had a choice to make when she got pregnant. She was reluctantly convinced to continue with her pregnancy and not have an abortion. I was that baby whose life was up for debate. I was adopted by an incredible family who desperately wanted and prayed for kids, but were unable to have any children of their own. I was raised to love the Lord and others more than anything. I'm a worship leader here at Central now and have a life surrounded by people who I love and who love me dearly. I am so grateful for this life that I was so close to not having, and I can't wait to see how the Lord will use it. I don't know when the last time um, you thought to thank your parents, your mom in particular, for not choosing to have abortion, an abortion with you, but you, you realize that you're here because they didn't do what we're talking about. That's how you got here. And I think about my own story. I, I discovered when I was, what, 25 years old that my dad never thought I was his kid, and that's why he left when I was three months old. My mom very easily could have said, I can't do this and I wouldn't be here today. It's a real subject and it matters. Um, let me just put some of this in perspective just so, because I don't think we see it. I honestly don't think we see it. So let me do my best in just a bit of data. Not won't overwhelm you, but let me challenge you with some stuff. Okay, so here, here's what you need to know. Every year, a little bit more than 36,000 people lose their lives on US highways, 36,000, right? Every 16 days, that many babies get aborted. Every 16 days. From the time you sat around your Christmas tree this past year with your family, we have killed 70,000 children. Now, you do that year after year like we've done it uh, since 1973, this week in 1973, by the way, when the Supreme Court Justice said, that, hey, this is legal, more than 61 million abortions have occurred in America. Now, I'll say something about 61 million in a moment. Let me just say something about the decision that made it legal. You need to understand this was never put to a vote. This, we never got a say on this. This was decided in 1973 in a split decision between nine Supreme Court justices. They're the ones who decided the trajectory we're on. It was the famous Roe v. Wade uh, case. Roe was a woman they called Jane Roe. It was obviously not her name. Her name was Norma McCorvey. Norma McCorvey was the case that was used. Norma McCorvey, after the ruling, came out and said, I got duped by this thing. I got used by this thing. She totally changed her views on everything after she spent a little bit of time working in an abortion clinic. And then she 
pleaded with the Supreme Court of our country, retry the case, and they wouldn't do it. And to her dying breath, which came in 2017, she lived to try to get that thing reversed because she was living with the subsequent reality of what that decision meant for so many babies. Now, 61 million. How do you even get your brain around that number? So let me do this. Let me give you a perspective of 61 million. All right, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna add a couple of states' populations together and I'll get us to 61 million, okay? So I'm gonna add like, well, let me just, okay, let me just follow what I'm gonna do here. So let's bring all the population of Alabama and then all the population of Louisiana and let's put them together. But that's not gonna be enough, so we're gonna have to add Kentucky. And then we gotta get everyone from Oregon in the count and that's not gonna, so we gotta get Oklahoma and the Connecticut, we gotta add Utah, we gotta add Iowa and Nevada and Arkansas and Mississippi and Kansas and New Mexico and Nebraska and West Virginia and Idaho and Hawaii and New Hampshire and Maine and Montana and Rhode Island and Delaware and South Dakota, North Dakota, Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. That adds up to 63 million people. About half the country. In, in, in the United States, there's about 800,000 of these abortions that happen every year. It's down, that's great news, it's down. It's dropping, that's so good. But folks, for the last year, we've been consumed in panic over a pandemic. As horrific as it is, it's taken 400,000 plus lives. Diff Half. But when's the last time you've really given any grief to the 800,000 that lost their life? In, in, well, I need you to understand something. About 97% of all abortions happen for the purpose of birth control. Uh, it's not because of rape. It's not because of incest. It's not because the life of the mother is in danger. It's because the baby was unwanted, or it was unplanned, or the mom was overwhelmed, or she was frightened. In a recent poll in Canada on morality, they asked a bunch of Canadians, and do you know that 51% of Canadians said it is morally unjust to use plastic straws? It's a true story. Only 26% said it was immorally um, inappropriate to take a life of a baby. A child. In the United States, you know, our national bird is the eagle, bald eagle. It's a sign of freedom. It, it's the, it represents the spirit, you know, of America, the symbol. Did, did you know that if you destroy a bald eagle's egg, you destroy a bald eagle's egg, you will face up to five years in prison and up to $250,000 financial fine why? Because they're protected. And, and, and because you understand that the life is in the egg and if you kill the egg, you killed the bird. So wait a minute. So an eagle's egg is that important? As important as it is, it's that important and you can kill humans? And why don't humans have the dignity that an eagle has in America? Because our values are so different than the country in which we live. That's, that's our, our, you understand what's at conflict here? The country says it's bad to kill an eagle, not bad to kill a baby. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus is talking about. We're getting the value of this all wrong. Let me, um, let me just again make sure we're on the same page. So, 
Abortion is the great moral debate of our age. You need to understand this. Now, you need to understand, one, number one, there's no debate over the legality of this. You need to understand that. It's legal. There's not, no, no one's gonna debate that. It's been legal since 1973, um, 48 years now. Some, some of you are not even close to 48 years old. This is the only thing you've known in the life that you've lived. It's, for, it's legal. And what's the big deal about it? If you're over 48, you might remember when it changed. No matter how old you are, you need to understand that 48 years in the total time of the history of the United States is not much time. This has only been legal for a fraction of our time as a country, but it's, it's legal, all right? We acknowledge that. The debate is not over the legality, folks. The debate is over the morality of it, not the legality. It's legal. Is it moral? Is it moral? I, I wanna point out two things about this debate over the morality of it, okay? And I think these are fascinating. Do you understand that 48 years ago a decision was made by the Supreme Court? Do you understand the, the, like all the debate around it is every bit as intense now as it was when it rolled out in 1973? Do you see this? In other words, in 48 years, the tension over this decision has not subsided at all. That's bizarre. That's just bizarre. You wanna know something else that's bizarre? Everything in the last 50 years, 48 years, has become more liberal. All of our morality has become more liberal. We could take illustration after illustration. Everything's, but this one, but this one, it's not become more liberal. If anything, it's been pulled back because it's such an anomaly that this thing got decided. And there's something intuitive in, within us. This is not the way it ought to be. Something is going on here. So let me just say this. What does the Bible say about this? Because that's really all that matters. What is the Bible? If you're a kingdom-minded person, it's all that matters. Is what does the word of God say about this? Does, does God say life is special? Yeah, it's priceless. It's incredibly special, whether it's your life or somebody else's life. It's one of the fundamental teachings of the Bible. You get this wrong, you're gonna get everything wrong. Because God goes, this is what matters. It's not all the stuff out there. It's people that, that are valuable. Why? I already told you, created in the image of God. Remember this, Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When God made you, used himself, said that, you're, you, you're, you have a spark of the eternal in you. You're not, you have a soul. You, you have a soul, all right? You, you were created to have a relationship with God. You're special. And uh, life is sacred, folks. I don't know how to tell you that. It's just sacred. It comes to us as a gift. It was by our creator and uh, no other creation is privileged to have a relationship with a creator like we are. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bible speaks about um, the subject. That, that's use the word abortion. I'll show you some passages though. You, you wrestle with whether or not, well, let me, let me just read some things and then I'll explain something, all right? Psalm 139, I've read part of this to you. I didn't read the whole thing. I, I waited. Let me read the whole verse, okay? So you'll recognize some of this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The prophet Jeremiah said this. Uh, he, he, God said this th through the prophet Jeremiah. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, before you were conceived, before time. In the Bible, children, and again, we can talk about Jesus, you don't have time. Cherish, 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 cherish. Psalm 127, sons or children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Now, again, the word abortion, you're not gonna find it in the Bible. Don't do a Google search, you're not gonna find it. It's not in the Bible because in Jewish culture, this is like, this is not even like something we're gonna talk about. It's just so obviously not. But it comes from an understanding about the sanctity of life that is very much. So if you go to the Old Testament, it's part of the culture. If you go to the Old Testament, let me, let me read you a situation where in Exodus, they're trying to figure out, okay, what if this happens? What if this happens? Let me just read to you, all right? Exodus 21, 22. If people are fighting and they hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. What's being said there? Do not mistreat the life of the unborn. Now, the whole debate in the morality is when does life begin? Because see, here's the deal. If life begins at birth, then taking that before birth is not anything, you're not killing anything because it wasn't alive until it was born. But what if that's not when life, what if life actually begins at conception, which frankly, uh, I believe it does, and I strongly believe it does. Um, If it begins at conception, then something else, because if that fetus is alive, then it's a whole nother study of issues. Now, okay, so when does life begin? Uh, You know, uh, okay, but what kind of life is it? Is, is it a cat? Is it a dog? No, folks, it's a human being. We know it's a human being. And do you understand from the time the sperm and the egg collide together that it, call it a zygote, call it a, a, an embryo, call it a fetus, whatever stage you want to talk about. Do you know that all that's necessary for that creation to become just like you and me, three things are needed. Time, nourishment, and protection. You know how you got here? Somebody provided you time, nourishment, and protection. You take away any one of those three, you won't be here. Tragically, it's been determined that the most dangerous place you will ever be in your entire life, the most dangerous environment you're ever gonna find yourself, personal risk and risk to your welfare are the nine months that you spend in your mother's womb. Does that sound good to you? Does that sound right to you? Does that sound like dignity? And the answer is obviously no. And, and by the way, just so you know, now it really depends on where that womb is that you're residing those tonight. Because if you're in New York, oh, pity you. You want to be in Alabama. You see what's happening? It's so subjective. So we go through, how, why would you say life begins at conception? Well, let me, let me fire some things to think about. In the womb, that developing embryo, all right, all 23 pairs of chromosomes that will determine what that ultimately becomes, all the detail is already there. That fetus has its own heart, it has its own brain, it has its own nervous system, it has its own DNA, it has its own blood supply and circulation, it has its own gender. 
It, it can have illnesses that the mother has no part of, and it can be healthy even if the mother is ill, seriously ill. It, it can die while the mother still lives. It can live even if the mother dies, obviously with care and help. How have we come to convince ourselves this is not a human being? This is not alive. I think because we maybe don't wanna know. So what I wanna do is I wanna show you just a little two minute thing, just to, again, just to remind you about how life develops. And if this is not alive, what exactly is happening here? Just watch a video, two minutes, watch. Well, folks, obviously, that's your history. That's my history. That's how we got here. And uh, the very first slide, man, the great meeting, you know, uh, out of millions of, of sperm, one sperm connects with one egg. How any of us can have a bad self-image, you, there were millions of competitors, you won. <laughs> you, you did it. And that's how you got here. Now, I'm going to say the kind of the, all right, here's the big takeaway. All right, ready? Here's what I need you to understand. If God is indifferent to whether or not we kill babies or allow them to live, then God cannot possibly care about the living or dying of any of us. Let it soak in. If God sits back and goes, yeah, I don't really care about that, about that group, that's not important. If they're not important, folks, we're not important. Now, let me, let me be really clear. Is, is abortion unforgivable? No, absolutely not. It's not the unforgivable sin. It breaks my heart, the weight that women carry, though. Because we live in a world that wants to say you, there's not an issue here that you need to be concerned about. But in your heart, you know there's an issue you should be concerned about. And God is going, come to me. Come to me and release this to me. But you live in a world that goes, you don't need to release anything. But you know in your heart. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. 
uh, a leader in our church. Uh, uh, her name is Lisa Henry, and she's a fantastic woman. She's a, oh gosh, she's a board member of our church. She's uh, an executive director of a, a organization. She's uh, heads up many of the prayer things going on in our church. She's a fantastic lady. Uh, she's got a story to tell. I want you to just meet, meet Lisa, if you don't know her. When I was 19 years old, I made it, I um, found myself in an unplanned pregnancy and the boyfriend said, I will support you in whatever your decision. And those words were uh, so um, rejection. They, I just really heard rejection in that place. And I, and I will tell you that I, I didn't know it at the time, but I truly closed my heart off to that. And when I uh, followed up at the doctor's office, I recall um, asking the doctor, what, what are my options? And uh, I don't remember hearing my options. And I will tell you, um, from that point forward, I didn't tell another person that um, the decision that I made uh, was um, to have an abortion. And the same doctor that would have delivered my baby now aborted my baby. And I'm 19 years old. I knew how to work. I was working two jobs. A few years later, I bought my first house. And I began to just really focus on uh, the corporate climb and professionally doing the things that I needed to do. When I first came to Central, um, God just really connected me to the people that uh, would uh, let me be safe in my community and let God do the work in my heart. And when, when we let God do the work in our heart, He takes our, our shame that says, I'm just a really bad person. And He um, He allows that healing balm that only Jesus can can fulfill to enter that place and, and heal us from the inside out. And I began to learn a process of just confessing my sin and just bringing it before the Lord and bringing it to the cross. And what I experienced was um, this tremendous amount of forgiveness. I I received forgiveness in a way that um, I didn't have the capacity to even contain at that point. Uh, abortion tells us that we're, um, we're a really bad person. It told me that um, I wasn't worthy of, of anyone's love, much less God's forgiveness. Really what transformed my life is this Mark 11:25 that says when we stand praying, if we have anything against anyone, that we will forgive as our Father in heaven has forgiven us. I don't believe that I have the capacity to forgive myself, but I receive the forgiveness that Jesus had for me. The freedom that I have today is to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to work through. It is truly a freedom that allows me to, um, to just uh, be recognize that I am priceless in God's eyes, and His love for me is is uh, so um, unbelievable. It's just a, a miracle. My name is Lisa Henry. I'm the executive director at a pregnancy care center, and this is my story. Wow, thank you, Lisa. So here's the dilemma. See, we live in a world that says sin doesn't exist, and we live in a world that says abortion isn't wrong. Here's the dilemma. If it's not sin and it's not wrong, then I'm gonna handle it one way. If it is sin and it's wrong, I'm gonna understand something that for sin to be forgiven, it has to be acknowledged. This is what's at stake here. It has to be acknowledged for you to be healed of it, for you to be released from it. It's gotta be confessed, it's gotta be repentant, it's gotta be dealt with, that's what it is. And the world goes, Shh, don't say that out loud. First John 1, 9, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The only way to healing is confession and truth. It's, where, it's to God, only by facing that. So, so church, what can we do? Do we just throw our hands up and go, you know what, abortion in America, there's nothing we can do, it's pointless. It's a foregone conclusion. It's been around all this time. We're not gonna change it. All the turmoil, it's just inevitable. I wanna say no. Slavery used to be legal until people said no more of that. And the laws changed. Now, well, what am I supposed to do? I would say do two things. Use your voice and use your life. Use your voice means speak up. Become educated and use your voice so that people at least know. And use your life. What do you mean use my life? Why didn't God make you the way that he made you? Some of you, as I've been talking about this, you are so in tune with this. You are so resonating with this. Well, why? Because something in you. How about if it's a church? What if we started to provide alternative care for women that the world won't give them? But we could if we would go, yeah, let's do that. Uh, the Pregnancy Crisis Center that um, Lisa Henry is an executive director of, they have a chapter in uh, Gilbert and one in Chandler. And uh, on all of our campuses, uh, I've asked if they would be in the lobby. And they are on all of our campuses. And uh, let me tell you why I want them here. So some of you, um, you, you've, you have struggled for this in your past and you need help and healing, they have the resources. They can help you. Go talk to them. Some of you are contemplating uh, the thought of an abortion and you don't have anyone to talk to who's not gonna cheer you on to do it. Go to the lobby. Others of you go, I wanna make a difference with this one. This is the passion of my heart. I want to get involved in this. And I'll... You, you free up resources. And then I start dreaming about us as a church. Folks, I don't have all the answers to any of this. I really don't. I just have a desire for us as a church. What can we do if we can just collect people who go, I care about this a lot, and we could coalesce into a, a kind of a, a, like a mindset. Of, we're, we're not gonna throw rocks at people. We're gonna throw help at people. What could we do? What could we, if we could free up resource and we would sacrifice for this, what could we do? And I've been dreaming about this for a while and I've been recruiting people into this. I've asked one of our staff people uh, and one of my executive team, her name is Kelly O'Donnell. I need to tell you, Kelly's never had an abortion. I feel like I need to tell you that. But she is an incredibly strategic leader and she knows how to organize and she knows how to mobilize. I said, Kelly, I need you to run point on this for us as a church. And she said, I'm on it. I've asked that they put her uh, email address. If you are like, this is me, contact her and we'll see what we can do. Okay, I am out of time. I've got to, uh, I gotta finish. Let me, let me close by saying this. Uh, it's uncomfortable to speak about this. I just, I, I'm gonna end where I started. It's incredible. I, I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Here's what I just need you to understand, okay? Um, there's a time to speak, and then there's a time when you can't speak anymore. This is my time. This is your time. You might be very well familiar with what happened in Nazi Germany to the Jews, which I hope you're fully aware of the Holocaust. And um, the church, for the most part, sat idly by, just so you know. Actually, they kind of contributed, if you really want to know. 
And uh, it was because they were duped into, you know, this, these are not humans. These are not valuable people. There, there were some Christian pastors who really had to struggle with that. One of whom was a guy named uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer stood in opposition to Hitler and he was captured, put in a concentration camp and executed for his voice being spoken. Horrible outcome. There was a, a peer of his, a guy named Martin Niemöller. He played it safe. He said, I don't, I don't wanna get in this. I wanna just lay low. I wanna stay below the radar. Well, they captured him also. The difference is they didn't execute him. So he lived and survived the Holocaust experience. But he couldn't get over, why wouldn't I speak about this? And then he famously wrote something. I wanna to read to you what he wrote. He said this, in Germany, they first came for the communists and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the trade unionists and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Catholics and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me. And by that time, there was no one left to speak up. Who's gonna speak for the unborn who don't yet have a voice? Church, I assure you, if God is indifferent to whether or not we kill babies or allow them to live, then God cannot possibly care about the living or dying of any of us. So, church, will you go on the record? I'm on the record. I'm telling you where I am. I think if we would seek God on this one, we could play a part in going into a world and changing the price tags back and making what God made valuable, valuable once again. But you can't do it without a voice. So I'm gonna pray, invite you to join me. So Father, I, I just ask for grace. Uh, I know this is so tough. It's so tough on so many women. It's tough on men who have had to sit by uh, and watch with uh, wanting a different outcome sometimes. It's just tough. It's tough on families. It's tough. It's incredibly difficult on a church. God, now is the time. We're going to hear so much more about abortion in the future. God, we got to talk. We got to find our voice. And Lord, um, I thank you for this church. I thank, thank you for the leaders of this church. I know where they stand on this. May um, we coalesce, God, into the community that you wanted us to be to stand up against this and do our little part, whatever that is, just like we're trying to stand up against so many other injustices in our, in our world. Help us, Father, to this end, I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith if you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.